Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. Everybody online, you're listening to Freedom Church, P, uh, Palm Beach, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here today. Listen, we're going we're gonna to be in, a, in uh, a whole bunch of scriptures today. We're going to look at a whole bunch of different things. The title of the message is, What a Difference a Prayer Can Make. And we're going to see some differences when people prayed in the scriptures, what, it, what God did in their behalf. So, um, welcome. Let's open up in prayer, though, first, okay? All right, Father, we're coming to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We, we, uh, we thank you, Father, for the breath of life. We thank you for health, wealth, prosperity. We thank you that we live in the United States of America. We're thank you, thanking you, Lord, that we're healthy. We're thanking you that, that by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. We're thanking you, Lord, because we abide in you. We can abide in the shelter of you, the Almighty. And we thank you, Lord, for all these things. So many promises, so many good things. And, Father, we're hoping to work on a message, Lord, should you um, direct me on promises in the Scriptures, some of the beautiful promises you made for your people. Uh, and, Lord... We could claim all of them according to the, your word. So, Lord, today we ask your blessing on the word as it comes forth. We ask your blessing, Father, on on it as it as the word of God is entering into our minds, coming in through our ears, Lord, that we would hear, understand, and obey and apply what the Holy Spirit says to us each today. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a reminder, everybody, um, for those online, we air every Sunday at 10 a.m., so uh, tune in, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org, and you can find you can go online, check us out. You can tune in to our, our streaming service, and uh, you can check out any of our services from several years back, and um, you can find out what we're all about, what we believe in, too. You can even donate online. So uh, we thank you uh, for tuning in. Tune in next Sunday, too, at 10 a.m. And also we air stream Thursday at 7.15, every Thursday at 7.15. So we'll be we'll uh, look for you then, okay? And then if you want to, if God does something miraculous like saves you, heals you, delivers you, uh, just answers one of your prayers, you can go to... Uh, to my email, which is joe at freedomchurchpb.org. That's joe at freedomchurchpb.org. We want to hear what God's doing for people outside our our close connection here, you know, where we can see one another. We really don't know what's going on out you know, over the air unless you tell us some way or another. But we thank you uh, for tuning in. So... Um, for those of us here, tithe boxes in the back. For those of us, you know, we want to keep uh, social distancing as much as we can. We certainly can with the church we have and the size we are. A lot of people are off today, as you can see. Uh, we're going to be without worship today or praise because, let's see, Madsen, Orlando, uh, Liz is having an off day, and, and Lewis and Grace just aren't able to make it. So we're going to jump right into the message, okay? So uh, it'll give us a little shorter day, at least, um, say, 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> so um, uh, let's, let's do it, okay? All right? Yeah, I remember one time 
you know, the computer, well, it happened a couple times. The computers were down. We couldn't get online, and the Lord just pushed the message right up to the front, you know. So uh, I think that's what's happening here today. Maybe the Lord wants this message to hit home with somebody here or somebody over the Internet. But, you know, we need to know that when we pray, our prayers are not falling on deaf ears, okay? And we're going to see some mighty scriptures today where God answers prayers. Some of them you know, probably most of them. Uh, some of them uh, maybe you don't know, but depends on where you are in your Christian walk, you know. So that's the trouble with a, what's something that a preacher has to do. When you're preaching to an audience online or right here, you know, everybody in their Christian walk is at different levels. Some people just got saved, who knows, a month ago. Some people got saved 50 years ago. And you've got to somehow feed them all, you know, the Word of God so that the one don't get bored and the other one don't say, that's over my head. So it's a hard thing to do sometimes. But this is one of those messages where the people that have been believers for a while, um, they're going to know most of them. But the ones that, you know, just came, became a believer, you know, maybe a year or two or if even five years ago may not even have heard of these people, you know. So the prayer, let's see. We could sing a song, if you know any, Amazing Grace. You don't want me to sing, though. No. I'll scare the audience away over the Internet. But God loves the uh, cheerful givers, our cheerful uh, heart, you know, when you worship on a true heart. Now, let's just jump right into the message, okay? I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 10, verse 14. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 14. Before we go and read that verse, and I might read a couple verses before that, I want you to know, according to the Lord Jesus Christ and according to the God of the Bible, okay, all things are possible with Him. It's written in the New Testament. It's written in the Old Testament. All things are possible with God. You know, also, we see in the New Testament that, that prayer can move a mountain. If you say to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that God, that God will hear what you said, then he will grant it to you. Of course, that's within the scope of Scripture. You can't, you know, go outside the scope of Scripture. Anything that Scripture allows, you know, God isn't going to do something that's against his, that's against his, um, I don't know where that came from. He isn't going to give you anything that's, you know, you can't claim something that God wouldn't do. You know, you can't say, I'd like to say, lie to that person. God isn't going to bless you because you aren't supposed to lie. You know, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not lie. Anyway, prayer changes things throughout the Scripture. In the Scripture, prayer, listen, I'm just going to list a few things, and we're going to see some things more, more things as we look on. Prayer in Scripture heals the sick. Fervent prayer will heal the sick. Prayer raises dead people. You know, I don't know if you've ever talked to missionaries around the world, but I have. And over in those dark countries especially, you know, uh, men have been raised from the dead through prayer. 
Also, prayer can cause the blind to see. You know, a prayer can tell the wind to stop, and it will stop, as we saw Jesus do. We can see that prayers can end uh, famines. Elijah prayed, and the famine was over. Prayer in Scripture feeds the hungry. Prayer saves the souls of men through repentance. Just some of the things that prayer does. Prayer can rebuke a demon. In Jesus' name, of course, it can put down those demons in Jesus' name. So this verse in Joshua 10, verse 14, I'm going to read the uh, few verses before there. I'm going to start at verse 12, but the key verse is John, verse 14. Joshua 10, 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in that day, and when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, listen to what Joshua said. In other words, he prayed. Okay? It says, The son, stand still at Gibeon. And O moon in the valley of Abijon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemy. It is written in the book of Jessar. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Notice that word about a whole day. There was no day like it before or after. This is our key verse. There is no was no day like it before or after when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Let me tell you the text of this verse. In chapter 10, prior to where we read, we see that Joshua had just conquered Jericho. We saw that he just conquered Ai. And we saw that the whole inhabitants of the land knew that God, the famous God of Israel who parted the Red Sea, who destroyed uh, Jericho and who destroyed Ai, he was with these people, these Hebrews that came out of Egypt. Out of Egypt out of the desert. And the Gibeonites were so fearful of the Jews, they knew they had to make some kind of covenant with them. Yet God told Joshua, do not make a covenant with anybody in this Canaan land, in the land of Canaan. But they ripped, they fooled Joshua. They were so scared to death, they made their, they wore their shoes out, they took old shoes, they took old bread that was getting moldy, they wore clothes that were tattered, and, and, and they, when they, Joshua came upon him, they said, well, this isn't our land, we came from a far journey. So Joshua believed them, and he made a covenant with them that he would not destroy them. And they would become, they admitted to become the servants of Israel. Well, what happened three days later, Joshua found out that they lied. They planned this. But Joshua and an integrable Christian will keep his word. 
And because Joshua gave them his word, he did not destroy them, even for their lie and deception. Actually, he was to protect them. There was, this, there was these five kings that were coming against Gibeon. And Gibeonites ran to Joshua and said, Help us, because they're going to destroy us and defeat us. And you've made a covenant with us to protect us. So Joshua honored his covenant. And he went to God, and God said, go to battle against these five kings. They were all Canaanite kings and Amorite kings. And Joshua defeated them, but it wasn't Joshua's hand alone. If you'll notice that 15th verse says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp. Oh, uh, in the 14th verse, the last part, For the Lord fought for Israel. What Joshua, what God did was rain huge hailstones down on these five kings, and more kings, more people were killed with the hailstones that fell out of heaven than the sword of Joshua. So Joshua had to end the battle. He defeated them. There was still a remnant left. He chased them. He chased them, and... Um, and because the battle wasn't over, Joshua knew he had to wipe them all out. So he prayed that prayer. He said, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Abijon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation was avenged of themselves. And then it said, There was no day like it before or after, after where God hearkened to the voice of men. And I'm thinking, like, before or after? Well, I know that. Once the New Testament comes around, Jesus said, In that day, after I'm gone, you will ask me nothing. This is John 16, 23. Jesus told his followers, his disciples, which includes us. He said, In that day, which means after I'm gone from the earth, okay, you will no longer ask me for anything. You will ask the Father in my name. So God today listens to men. And how does he listen? He listens if you pray in Jesus' name. God listens to your voice. Isn't that amazing? That's how much he loves you. But you can't try to trick God and get him to say, Lord, I'd like to marry that woman when she's already married to somebody else. You can't claim something like that. It's got to line up with the scriptures. So I'm here to tell you today what a difference a prayer can make, especially as a New Testament Christian. Joshua prayed that prayer, and he made a difference. The sun stood still. The odds were defeated because Joshua prayed. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky so that he could wipe out all these Amorites. It stopped in the middle of the sky so he could wipe out all the Amorites. The sun stood still. And it says here, it stood still for about a day. I said, hold on to that word. We're going to look at it here in a little bit. Another situation, there was this king called Hezekiah. He was a good king. 
we're going to see what a difference a prayer can make. 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse, I don't understand this. Oh, you know what it is? Since we stopped early. <laughs> okay, or started early. Okay. Um, even though my phone's on silent, that alarm still rings. <laughs> so listen. Okay, turn. Let's go to Isaiah thirty-eight one through eight verses, rather than Second uh, Kings. It's, it's repeated in Second Kings twenty verses one through eleven, and Isaiah thirty-eight one through eight. And I'm going to read those verses. Okay. This is another prayer prayed by a righteous king. And we're going to see in the first verse why he's praying. And we're going to see what a difference his prayer makes. In those days, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, mortally became mortally ill. That means he's going to die. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah, listen, here's his prayer. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with the whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. I will be deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone down. Hezekiah prayed to be healed from a mortal illness. You need to know today that if, if you pray, it can make a difference and you can be healed of a mortal illness. Like the big C word. Cancer. You name it. COVID. How about multiple sclerosis? You can be healed by by God through a prayer claiming the verse in Isaiah 50, 53 that says by the stripes of Jesus which means the whip marks on his back from that cat of nine tail that the Roman army whipped him with by his stripes you are healed then you can go to Peter and he says by the stripes you were healed so we're looking at a period of time from the time it was prophesied that Jesus would take those stripes on his back until today and on until to tomorrow, until Jesus returns. We can claim that verse. It's already done. 
It's already done. But you have to claim it. And you, you notice here that, that he, he, he rem- reminded the Lord, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and in, with a whole heart. Hezekiah is saying, Lord, let, I wasn't perfect, but I sure tried. And he just reminded God. I, you know what? You can remind God too. Lord, I'm not perfect, but I sure tried to walk in your ways. And I still am trying to walk in your ways. And because he put his face to the wall in humility and went over into a corner and put his face to the wall and in humility called out to the Lord and cried bitterly, God heard his prayer and God healed him of his disease. And Hezekiah, I believe it's in Second Kings 20, that Hezekiah says, well, what will be the sign that you healed me? It's almost like a, a doubt, but obviously it isn't. God said, well, I'm going to make the sundial go backwards. If you study deeper into this, you will find out that, and I'm going to bring Scripture into it, but scientists that work on, you know, getting spaceships to the moon and to Mars and to Saturn or whatever ever place they're going, they have to have perfect accuracy. So NASA would would work out the calculations, as any good engineer would do, I guess, work out the calculations so that when they shoot a, a missile or a satellite to Mars, it won't end up 15,000 miles away. So they did all their calculations, and they found out that it was close but not close enough because they know that the universe works perfect timing, perfect timing everywhere. Everything's perfect. But they found out there's, there's something wrong. They found out as they calculated this all out, there's something wrong. There's a whole day missing. It's a whole day missing. So they like threw up their hands. They had no idea how, to, how this could be off. They checked the computers. They checked their math. But they found out there's still a day missing. Everything was perfect. But there was this Christian man there. And he said, you know, when I was in Sunday school when I was a kid, I heard about this day where Joshua prayed and the sun stood still in the sky for about a day. They all thought he was retarded, he was nuts, until they took out the Bible and they read it, and it said there, about a day. So they plugged that calculation in there, and they still found out they were 40 minutes short. 40 minutes was still missing. And then they went back to the Bible and found out that God said, about a day. And by calculation, they worked out it was 23 hours and 20 seconds. 23 hours and 20 minutes, I'm sorry. So then they're still off. They go back to the Christian guy. Look, it don't work, it don't work. He said, but I remember another place in the Scriptures where King Hezekiah prayed to be healed. And God caused the sundown to go back 10 steps, which is exactly 40 minutes. 23 minutes and, four and 20 seconds and 40 minutes makes a whole day 
24 hours. They plugged in the calculation, and sure enough, that was it. It was perfect. They could send their spaceships or rocket ships wherever they want, and they knew it was going to end up in the same place. What was called a myth in this Bible was proven true. That's all the more reason why you and I, when we pray, we need to understand God can make a difference in our lives and even in the world when we pray. Don't be afraid to pray. Some people, I've heard people tell me, I don't want to pray for healing for myself. Pray for somebody else. I'd rather pray. Oh, that's nice and noble. It seems humble, but it's really pride. You think God isn't big enough to handle both? You got God in the shoebox. We have to be careful. In the first verse, we see the first in Joshua chapter 10, we see that God heard the, prayer, uh, the, the voice of a man and stopped the very sun in the sky. Anyway, somebody said, well, if God just stops the sun in the sky and the earth stops rotating, or however he did it, you would just go flying off the earth because, because that rapid stop, because the earth is rotating at 1,000 miles an hour on its axis. We'd just be thrown off the earth. God would have to put the brakes on. And by, by, by the brakes being applied, it would be like you running into the tail end of the car in front of you, sitting dead at a red light. But after doing the calculations, they figured out, finally, if the earth stopped at 1,000 miles an hour, and if, it, if, you, if God stopped it with, at 60 miles an hour, it would take like four football fields for you to stop your car if you're traveling at 60 miles an hour, which you wouldn't even feel it. You know, God is way bigger than any of us can expect or think. Don't be afraid to pray for something that sounds really too tough for God. As I started out with in the beginning, God says, all, Jesus said, all things are possible for God. And how, let me say that again. How many things? All things. People play, don't pay enough attention to little words like about, in, on. They don't pay attention to those little prepositions. We need to. About a day. Another time. There was this king, again, another godly king. He's gonna, God's going to show us by this situation what a difference a prayer can make. King Jehoshaphat, he's probably one of my favorite kings. He was a king of Jerusalem a long, long time ago when the people of Judah all worshipped the Lord from the high on down to the low. Judah had a wealthy kingdom, and everybody's people were fed because Jehoshaphat studied the word of the Lord, and he did everything that he said. But then out of an army, out of the east came an army one day, and they were after Jehoshaphat's gold. 
They were marching right straight for Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat Sorn was told. So he called all the people together, and everybody fasted and prayed. And the Lord answered them and said, there's no need to be afraid because this battle is mine tomorrow. It's not yours. It's not the king's. All you have to do is stand and watch and see the salvation I bring. Just believe that what I told you, key, believe that what God told you is exactly what he's going to do and go out against your problem tomorrow and he's going to win that battle for you just like he won Joshua's battle, just like he won Hezekiah's battle with a mortal illness. So the army of Jehoshaphat rose up in the morning and they marched on out with the king and Joshua got some worshipers and he told those worshipers to sing. They were to praise the beauty of his holiness instead of shouting out a battle cry. And they marched right straight for the enemy's camp singing praises to the Lord on high. They were singing something like this. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercies endure forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord, his mercies endure forever and ever. That's what you need to do. Somehow, God set up ambushes. And he got the enemy all turned around. They started fighting against each other until all of them lay dead on the ground. And the riches and the jewels that they left behind, it took Israel, Judah, three whole days to haul back to Jerusalem. And they were singing, praise ye the Lord, his mercies endure forever to and ever. And we need to know that. God loves you so much. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to us. You better get the parallel here. It should be very obvious to you. When you see trouble coming to rip you off, here's all you got to do is pray to the Lord, your Heavenly Father, and you believe that His Word is true. This is true, church. You heard me say many times, these aren't Bible stories. They're truths. David did kill Goliath. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. This is not a story. It's true. When you see trouble coming to rip you off, that's all you got to do to do is call to your heavenly Father, believe that this word is true, and you can step out and shout a battle cry just like the Israelites did because the Lord's going to win that battle for you. You have to have faith. I have to have faith. You have to be walking in integrity. There's a whole bunch of other things. You need to treat your spouse with love and respect. There's a whole bunch of other things that go along with that. It isn't just because you lack faith. Maybe you're not, not living right. You've got to pray. You've got to believe. You've got to worship. And he will win that battle for you. And you'll be singing the same thing Israel was singing. Praise ye the Lord. His mercies endure forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. So, so far we saw a prayer change the odds. Five kings against Joshua who just came out. These were slaves that just came out of the desert. They win a battle 
of five warring kings. Where'd they get the weapons? Probably from the Israel, the Jew, the uh, the Hebrew, not the Hebrews, but the Egyptians that were drowned in the flood. All those bodies floating down store, they just picked their swords off, their knives off, their shields off, and carried them into the desert with them. So they were prepared for the battle that they were going to face going into the promised land. Your prayer can help you in times of trouble. It can beat the odds for you. It can heal your disease. And God will save you in more ways than one. What a difference a prayer can make. There was this guy named Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Jonah prayed from the belly of a fish, a great fish. And he called out to the Lord in distress. And the Lord answered him. And out of the belly of Sheol he cried for help. You know what that's saying? Jonah, you know, he was told to go to Nineveh and preach so that they would repent. And instead he went the other way. Hopped the ship. God knew he hopped the ship. He was trying to bail out. So God caused a storm to come on the ocean. So bad that Jonah realized that if he wasn't thrown overboard because of his disobedience to God, everybody would drown. Jonah didn't want to pray for Nineveh. He thought those sinners in Nineveh should just go straight to shore or to hell. He had no compassion. He had no love. And obviously, he had no fear of God. But after he was thrown overboard, because he told them to throw over, and the sea became calm, he was swallowed by a great fish. This is not a story. It is a truth. In the belly of that great fish he was there three days and three nights and in that verse I just read you it says he was he pictured himself as being in the belly of hell and he cried out for help yea though you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death you shall fear no evil for God is with you his rod and his staff they comfort you doesn't matter where you're at when you say a prayer. Jonah was in the belly of a whale, most likely a whale. I don't think any of you have that problem. If he can call out from the belly of a whale, he was saying, and this is a parallel of hell. Even if you feel like you're in hell, you can pray your way out of it, believing in God. What a difference a prayer can make. God took Jonah right out of the belly of the whale because he's full of grace and mercy. And he not only loved Jonah, but he loved those sinners in Nineveh. So Jonah, we find out in verse 10 of Jonah 2 that here comes this big great fish all the fishermen in Nineveh are out there with their nets. 
fishermen are fishing with their line and sinker. They're at the beach, and all of a sudden, this great fish comes up. This great fish comes up and spits Jonah out on the seashore. Jonah's probably white as a ghost from the gases in the, in the belly of the whale's stomach. And here's what he says. Repent. Repent. There's your first step. You want your prayers answered, church? What a difference a prayer of repentance can make. Jonah was in hell and he repented of his sin. And God not only saved him, he saved the entire city of Nineveh. Even the king of Nineveh put on Nineveh, Nineveh put on sackcloth and ashes and repented. The whole city did. So not only can you defeat the odds with a prayer, not only can you be healed of a mortal illness. Not only can you be, be um, trying to be destroyed by an enemy, even if you're in the gates of hell, not the literal hell, but hell what we would call on earth, God can save you through a prayer of repentance. And repentance leads to salvation. What a difference a prayer can make. Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 26. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes. One day, after serving Artaxerxes for many years, Artaxerxes noticed that Nehemiah's face was sad. And he mentioned to Nehemiah, he says, why is your countenance fallen? And he said, because the tomb of my father has been left barren and the walls of the city are torn down. And he prayed to God prior to that, Lord, let the king, let me go back. So the king says to, to, to Hezekiah, what do you want me to do? He said, allow me to go back and restore my father's tomb in the city. And the gates of the city, they're all burned down. And the king said, how long will you be gone? In other words, God answered Nehemiah's prayer to go back to the city. And he did. But he wanted a time of his return. And it says there, it didn't say how long Nehemiah said, but Nehemiah told him. He gave him a date. And I guess he honored that day. You know, here's what we're learning from that. What a difference a prayer can make for restoration of your life. You pray and repent, receive Jesus as your Savior, and you will become a new creature. The old things are passed away, and all things become new. You will be restored to your proper place before God, where God always wanted you, in His presence and in fellowship with Him. What a difference a prayer can make. The walls of Jerusalem and 
Nehemiah's father's tomb was restored. And after the 70 years of deportation to Babylon, a lot of Jewish Jewish people went back to Babylon or to Jerusalem and they pretty much started over again all because of a prayer of a man and I listen a pagan king that actually was compassionate what a difference a prayer can make Moses prayed in Exodus 32 that God would spare Israel because he wanted to wipe them out. What a difference a prayer can make. God heard Moses' prayer and saved Israel from total destruction. God knew, just like John the Baptist told them, the Jews, that he could create Israel from those stones over there. They can recreate the children of Abraham from stones. But God chose to listen to Moses. And he turned his wrath away from Israel. What a difference a prayer can make. God will replace his anger or even your anger with loving kindness and compassionate. And grace. What a difference a prayer can make. There's this young lady. She was barren. Couldn't have a child. And she went into the temple. And Eli was there. And Eli thought she was drunk. And he asked her, what's wrong? And she says, I'm barren. And I want a child. And Eli prayed for her. What a difference a prayer can make. And Hannah conceived. And she bore a son. And after he was weaned, she gave him to the service of the Lord. And his name was Samuel. The great prophet. And priest of the king of all kings. What a difference a prayer, prayer can make. I had a couple right here in this church about five years ago, maybe even six. They were headed for divorce. They wanted a baby so bad. They couldn't have a, have a baby. The doctors told the wife she was in the Army and in, 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 in Iraq and Afghanistan, and she was discharged because somebody threw her into a window and, and get the other side, but there was a wall on the other side, and she smacked the wall. This was just training for her third trip to Afghanistan. And she was discharged, and the doctors told her, you'll never have children. She came here with her husband, and we prayed in the back, and I moved them up to the front. I think Harry might have been with me. And we prayed over them, and within months, her bad baby is five years old now. What a difference a prayer can make. For those of you women out there, you know, pray. Husbands, 
pray. What a difference a prayer can make. But then I've got to say this to you. Remember. Remember what God did for you. Because you wouldn't have that little child if it wasn't for that prayer. What a difference a prayer can make. Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 20. He was preaching all night long. This young man named Eutychus was sitting at the window, I think his second or third floor, and he got tired and fell out the window. And it says that he was taken up dead. And Paul went down there and said, his life is still in him. And then he laid on him just like just like Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 17 over the widow's son. He prayed over him. He laid on him hands face to face, hands to hands. And he prayed. And he was raised from the dead. What a difference a prayer can make. I told you earlier, missionaries that I have had stay in my house had told me about how People were resurrected from the dead in Africa. What a difference a prayer can make. You don't think God can do what you ask as long as it's within the records and within the boundaries of this book? He will do it. With faith, with loving kindness for your spouse. What a difference a prayer can make. There was this guy named Jacob. He deceived his brother Esau. He was deceived him so bad of the birthright that was rightfully Esau's that he had to take off from his homeland and go to the land of his uncle Nathan because Esau wanted to kill him. That cost Jacob a lot. His name means subplanter or deceiver in the Bible. That cost him a lot. He never saw his mother again. But he was headed back after 20-some years with Uncle Nathan. He comes back with two wives, Rachel and Leah, and a bunch of flocks and herds and manservants and maidservants. He comes back to the land, and he f God told him to do it. And he's there like, Esau will kill me. But he prayed. But he protected himself. He made sure Rachel and the children were across the river so that if Esau attacked, then, then they could escape. He prayed. Here's what he said. Genesis 32.9 O God of my father Abraham and Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country. You know, he's like his father Abraham and Isaac. He obeyed. The Lord said to him, Return to your country. And he was on his way back, regardless of Esau being there wanting to kill him. So he prayed. O oh God of my father Abraham, Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country. Here's what he said. Deliver me, I pray, from Esau's wrath. We see in the next chapter 33, of Genesis verse 4 Esau's coming with all of his men and all of his maidservants he had a, a, a an army out there that could have wiped Jacob out 
And when Jacob separated his two clans, Rachel and Leah's children, he went and met Esau. And because of that prayer, Esau fell on his neck and cried like a baby. All because of a prayer. So if you need reconciliation with anybody, it's a prayer away. A prayer can melt a heart of stone. Even if, a, if somebody's got their wrath on for you, God can change it. God can restore your relationships as he did with Esau and, and Jacob. But it was a prayer away. You are one prayer away from restoring a relationship. Here's what Peter says in the book of Acts, chapter 3 and verse 19. He says, repent that your sins might be blotted out. And days of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. If you're dried out out there, it's time to repent and be restored. It's time for your sins to be repented for and blotted out. And then a new time of refreshing will come to those backsliders out there. We all need to be refreshed every once in a while. I need refresh now. I want to go on a cruise to the Bahamas or something. But I'm not going to do it now because of what's going on. But, you know, we all need our sins to be blotted out. We all need refreshment of our spirit. And it's only a prayer away also. What a difference a prayer can make. Then there's this guy, you know him well. His name was David. And he prayed for a clean heart. Actually, he prayed for a clean heart, but God gave him a new heart. He took out that heart of stone that was calloused over the years, and he gave him a brand new heart. As David was praying in Psalm 51 because of his sin with Bathsheba that cost Uriah's life, but not only Uriah's life, but also the other soldiers that were, were with Uriah when they approached the wall. David wasn't just responsible for Uriah's life. Here were Malta's many soldiers that fell that day, all because of David's lies and deceptions, adultery, lust and everything else that goes with it. He prayed for a clean heart. He said, give me, create in me a clean heart, O God, because he knew he was a sinner. You know what he's doing? What a difference a prayer of repentance can make. And that's what David was doing. He was repenting. What a difference a prayer can make. In the book of Acts, chapter 12, to be exact, Peter and James were caught. James was martyred with the sword. Peter was thrown into prison. 
And in verse chapter 12 of Acts, the church was gathered together and they were praying for Peter's release. Even though James was martyred, they figured Peter was history the next day. They prayed for Peter's release. And it actually says really that they were fervently praying for Peter's release. They knew he was history, except God intervened. They were praying for deliverance for their brother to be set free from the bonds, the jails that encapsulated him. And what did God do? You know, he sent an angel. Angel opened up the gates. He walked out of the gate. He goes to the house where they're praying. They didn't even believe it. They thought he was a ghost. I would say they were praying, but uh, it says fervently, but uh, I don't know. They didn't believe when he showed up at the door. They thought he was a ghost. What a difference a prayer made. James was killed, but Peter was released was delivered, I should say, not really released. What a difference a prayer can make. Acts chapter 10. There was this Roman centurion soldier named Cornelius. Let me turn to that passage for you. Cornelius. A Gentile at Caesarea, a centurion, over a hundred Roman soldiers. He was a devout man, one who feared God and all his household. This means he feared the God of Israel. And he gave alms to the Jewish people and prayed to them, to God continually. Here's a Jewish, a, a Gentile guy praying to the God of Israel continually and even giving alms and gifts. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and be, being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. This man wants to know God, but he really didn't know God at this point. He was praying. What a difference his prayer made. He began to pray, and before you know it, God's speaking at the other end of the stick. Peter over here at this one house on a rooftop. God's burning at both ends, Cornelius' ends and Peter's end. He's going to bring them together through a prayer. Peter was up on the roof. That's what they did in those days. They went up on the roof to pray. Cornelius is praying. Peter's praying. God is listening. God is answering. Verse 33 of chapter 10. 
So I went for, for you immediately. This is Cornelius talking to Paul because Paul had arrived. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. So here Cornelius has his whole household gathered. And Peter, opening his mouth, Peter began to preach Jesus. Verse uh, 39, halfway through, they also put him to death. He's talking about Jesus to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day. Go down to the 44th verse. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles who were not circumcised. Let me add that there also. For they were hearing them speaking in, with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can we? Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. What a difference a prayer can make. You're in your home and you're praying for your family and your children, your sons and your daughters, your future uh, great-great-grandchildren. What a difference that prayer can make. God hears it. He knows it. Cornelius is praying. Gentiles, uncircumcised. The Jews hated Gentiles. They called them dogs. All Cornelius was doing was seeking the true God. And that's all we have to do. You seek the true God and you will find him. That's a promise in scriptures. You seek him with a whole heart, you will find him. Cornelius was seeking God with a whole heart, the true God. When he prayed, God answered, sent the head honcho, Peter, to his house. And Peter preached. And not only Cornelius got saved, but the entire family and all his maidservants and his male servants that were there got saved. What a difference a prayer could make. All because Cornelius prayed. All because Peter was up on that roof praying. And now we see Scripture fulfilled. Ones like in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people walking in darkness shall see a great light. And here it is. These Cornelius, is, uh, they're walking in darkness because they're Gentiles. They're going to see a great light. And Peter comes preaching the cross, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they saw the great light. And they repent. And they get saved. And now we have the Jewish, the, the, he, not the, the Gentile Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. And they receive the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with other tongues. And they begin to all exalt God. And Peter and the people with him that were Jews were saying, how can we prevent them from, from uh, being baptized? 
the Holy Spirit fell on them just as us. They're no different than us. You know what? God loves people not just because they're Hebrew, but because they're Gentiles. He loves you whether you love him or not. He loves you whether you're green or white or purple or red or pink. He doesn't care what color. He don't care how old you are. He don't care how young you are. He don't care how beautiful you are. He don't care how ugly you are. He don't care how crippled up you are. He don't care how healthy you are. He cares about the soul of your of you, and he wants your soul with him. Prayer. What a... What a difference a prayer could make. As I started out in the beginning, prayer can heal the sick, whether it's a mortal illness or not. It could be, it could be the big cancers. It could be tumors. It could be, it could be COVID. It could be the, the just the flu. It could be a headache. It could be multiple sclerosis. It could be all those other things, RSD and DPS and all those other things, ADD, you name it. God can do it. God heals the sick. All you got to do is pray because the prayers make a difference. What a difference a prayer can do. It can raise the dead. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. Or maybe I should rephrase that. God raised Eutychus from the dead, and he happened to use a guy like Paul. Prayer can allow you to beat the odds and you can walk in victory instead of being a victim. Like Joshua, like Jehoshaphat. What a difference a prayer can make in times of trouble. Joshua was in trouble. He could have been defeated by those five kings. God threw hailstones down from heaven that wiped most of the army out. More than Joshua killed with the sword, even though the sun stayed in the sky in one place for 23 hours and 20 minutes. What a difference a prayer can make. Because it can bring you salvation through repentance. Like Jonah. He repented as he saw himself in the belly of hell. He repented and God resurrected him and used that illustration as a beautiful picture of Christ being in the belly of the earth three days and three nights like Jonah was in the belly of the great sea fish. Doesn't that mean something to you? And I've said it many times from the pulpit. Jesus actually verified that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It is no longer a story. It is truth. People laugh at it. You Christians believe Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Yeah. I think an ant could swallow Jonah if God's involved. A prayer can lead to restoration like Nehemiah, which was the beginning of the restoration of the city of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem and the tombs of those that passed away in Jerusalem. A prayer can bring salvation. What a difference a prayer can make because wombs can be opened. You know that God 
is the opener and closers of wombs? A prayer can bring you protection like it did, and I didn't even touch on it, but King Hezekiah that was being attacked by Sennacherib. After Sennacherib had just defeated the ten tribes of Israel, he came after King Hezekiah, the righteous king of Judah. And he sent him a letter. He says, your God didn't save your brothers over here, Israel, and he isn't going to save you, which Hezekiah put that before the altar of the Lord, laid it down there and said, Lord, he prayed. Here's what he said, paraphrased. This is your problem. And one angel went through the camp of the Assyrians that night and wiped out 185,000 Assyrian troops in one night. What a difference a prayer can make. You can be saved from your enemies. You can be saved from hell and end up in the kingdom of heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. What a difference a prayer can make. It will bring you deliverance and release like Peter from the prison. It can bring you reconciliation like Jacob and Esau, brothers who haven't seen each other in years and left on a bad note. What a difference a prayer can make. Because a prayer of repentance can lead to your salvation. And you will spend an eternity in the kingdom of heaven. You've only lived on this earth a hundred years, say. And you haven't seen all the beauty of this earth. I'm going to tell you something. Which is I believe and it's not scripture. When we're dead and gone, the universe is going to light up like a Christmas tree. You think the stars are gorgeous now at night? You're going to see glory around everything in the universe. What a difference a prayer can make. It can bring you salvation and you will spend eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all your brothers and sisters who love Jesus and all your aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers and grandfathers that love Jesus. You're going to find them there. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Every knee is going to bow, said, said uh, Paul. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Luke said, there's no other name under heaven by which, you say, well, by which you must be saved. Jesus said, unless you believe I am the name of God, you will die in your sins. It's cut and stone. There's only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ and him alone. And that rests on one prayer. All you got to say is one prayer. So try it sometime. God says, if my people who are called by my name Christian will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. A promise, a truth. So what a difference a prayer can make. For those of you over the internet, and those of you here, if you have never received Jesus, or you want that time of refreshing to come into your life, then pray this prayer with me, okay? I'm going to pray real slow. And if any of you here want to come up, you're welcome to the altar. Just because you may be a Christian, 
You may be backslidden. If you come up, you're admitting to that. In front of your brother, so what? I'll admit to you right now, I'm a sinner. I'm the first one at the altar. I'm already here. For those of you out there, just use your heart and say, Father, I believe you sent Jesus. I believe that he is your son. I believe that he came to pay the penalty of my sin. I want to thank him now. I accept your free gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this prayer that it might make a difference in my life because I want you to make me what you want me to be. I pray that you send your Holy Spirit upon me and if you will, I might not only be saved, but I might receive the gift of tongues. I might receive the gift that you want me to have. Might I add the gifts you want me to have. And may I serve you all the days of my life with the help of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for delivering me from the devil. And thank you most of all for hearing my prayer of repentance for salvation. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We didn't need worship today. We got a belly full. <laughs> amen. But God needs worship, so you can go home worshiping the Lord. All right? God bless you.